Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Fong about the neuronal basis of post-concussion syndrome. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion rehabilitation, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health rehabilitation in Minnesota. They've greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. For those of you who may not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Advisory Council through the Brain Injury Association of America, and I recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. You can learn more about me and any upcoming podcasts at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Today, our guest is Dr. Fong. Dr. Alina K. Fong received her PhD in clinical neuropsychology with an emphasis in neuroradiology from Brigham Young University. Dr. Fong's interest in brain mapping soon turned to functional MRI, and since then, her research efforts have been focused on the clinical applications of fMRI. So I'm so excited to talk with you today, Dr. Fong. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm so excited to dig into this because post-concussion syndrome is a topic that comes up over and over and over again in my Facebook group and how doctors oftentimes dismiss it and tell people, oh, well, it's been three months. You should be better by now. (laughs) And so I'm so (laughs) thrilled to have you here to kind of talk us through this a little bit more today. Thank you. Yes, I'd, I'd love to answer any questions uh, that, that you have and provide a bit more education about what post-concussion really is and why it is so confusing um, to get a, a, mm-hmm. a, an accurate diagnosis. Yes. So let's just jump in. We have so much to talk about. Um, but why don't we start with how you got into the field of neuropsychology? How did you come to be a neuropsychologist? I believe it is one of those stories about being in the right place at the right time. Um, I uh, was always interested in the field of psychology, uh, and when I got my master's, I realized I actually didn't like the treatment side as far as the depression and the anxiety and, and the therapy side so much. Um, neuropsychology was somewhat of a, of a newer field, and there were only a few programs in the country, and even now, that, that, that actually have that emphasis and have that degree. Um, so I decided to, uh, 
to go in that direction because it was something I was really passionate about and started off in neurotrauma rehab, so working with more severe and moderate traumatic brain injuries. I've been working with Intermountain Healthcare for about 13 years now and started off working with those more severe injuries and found myself drawn to concussions because these patients were higher functioning and, and we saw that, you know, we can get them better. Um, so about five years into my practice, I devoted all my time and energy to the concussion world. In the meantime, my partner and I, uh, my mentor at, uh, uh, in my graduate program, decided to then also look more deeply into functional imaging and uh, seeing that this was a brilliant marriage between concussions and advanced imaging, um, being that this advanced imaging was able to show us injury and changes in regulation and this neuronal issue um, that regular structural imaging could not. And uh, really it was being at the right place at the right time and being open to um, to advancements and and uh, and being willing to kind of get outside of of my shell a bit and um, and seeing that there could be a real connection between these two modalities. That's great, you know. And unfortunately, I don't know very many people who've had a functional MRI. Um, I don't know if it's because it's just not as readily available or if maybe because um, insurance doesn't cover it. I'm, I'm not totally sure why I don't know many people who've had it done. Um, so do you have any insights into that? Absolutely. So functional MRI has actually been around since the 1990s, um, and it has been used quite extensively uh, for with neurosurgeons and determining uh, uh, where, where they can operate, what areas to not operate on. So surgical mapping and, and surgical uh, guidance. Um, so it's actually been an approved, an insurance-approved modality, gosh, since the late 1990s. Um, however, it's been more recently that we've been able to tailor this functional MRI to more clinically applicable treatment um, areas like concussion. So we have actually been doing this for about 13 years now. And yes, there are some areas or some hospital systems, for example, here in Utah uh, that use our program that it is covered by insurance. And it is gonna become more widely known with the concussion realm. Um, we like to separate ourselves from fMRI in a sense, because fMRI is more of the umbrella term, and, and not all fMRIs are created equally. Um, we like to use the term FNCI, which stands for Functional Neurocognitive Imaging. And what sets us apart as far as the functional mapping goes is that we use anywhere from six to almost seven now different tests in one shot. So we have a much more comprehensive global view of how the brain is functioning, uh, firstly. And secondly, we have developed norms and an extensive database of what we know normal functioning should be based on functional mapping. Uh, so we can have very accurate, individually-based 
and individually readable results um, that can determine how severe that concussion is and exactly how we need to treat it. So, um, you know, it is widely used here in Utah. Um, we have been able to be fortunate enough to um, have worked with some very uh, influential uh, football players, some other uh, professional athletes, and we are uh, currently um, working with the military as well. So the Department of Defense, um, Triple Army Medical Center. Uh, so we do have this technology that can be found in various states. However, we are primarily located in Provo, Utah. So let's kind of segue into post-concussion syndrome. And, you know, I think it really depends on the doctor you go to. Some doctors give a diagnosis of traumatic brain injury, you know, mild TBI. Some give a, a diagnosis of concussion. I was originally told I had a severe concussion um, and that I should feel better in four to six weeks. And, mm -hmm. you know, that turned out to take almost two years. Um, and eventually a doc, another doctor told me, oh, yeah, well, a concussion is a traumatic brain injury, you know. Um, so let's, let's kind of dive into post-concussion syndrome. Um, and maybe you can give us a really good explanation of what that is and why there's so much confusion. Okay, I'd love to. So first of all, the term post-concussion syndrome is really rooted in duration or length of time that you've been suffering with your symptoms. And so if you go to a doctor and you just got injured two weeks before and he states that you have post-concussion syndrome, that's not actually correct because post-concussion syndrome doesn't actually occur until you've been struggling for at least six weeks, okay? So if you've had a concussion and it's been six weeks, it's been eight weeks, it's been three months now, all right, and you're still struggling, then you qualify for uh, the, the diagnostic criteria. You've met the diagnostic criteria for post-concussion syndrome. And so what it really is is just you've been struggling with these issues for a longer period of time, okay? Now, here's where the quagmire, um, you know, starts <laughs> to, to occur <laughs> is, unfortunately, if you start looking at the typical symptoms of a concussion, you know, which, you know, in all honesty, uh, you know, can include, um, oh, a lightheadedness. Oh, irritability, um, memory issues, sleep problems, um, uh, you know, not feeling like you want to get out of bed, right? Those symptoms have a lot of, of similarities with depression, with anxiety, right. with, right, other types of, of, uh, of, of, um, of, um, of injuries or other types of, of diagnoses. So the problem that you're dealing with now is a doctor goes, okay, well, gosh, is this post-concussion syndrome or, you know, should I start giving them some medications, right, to try to treat some other things? So it be starts becoming this big mess in a quagmire. Um, there isn't enough 
knowledge, um, general knowledge and appreciation for the complexity of post-concussion syndrome. And many of the patients I speak with, Amy, that, that end up coming to me will say, gosh, yes, I've been on antidepressants or I've been on anti-anxiety meds and I've been on this med and now I'm on Ambien and for sleep. And, and at some point, wow. they just start taking, right, right, you know, drug after drug after drug. <laughs> but the, the, the more complicating factor, Amy, is that most of these medications that these patients are being given to treat these symptoms have side effects that exacerbate their pre-existing symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, my God. And so, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> well, it, it really is. It's a quagmire. And so part of my job, a big portion of my job, once a patient comes to me, Amy, is saying, okay, let's see what meds you're on, okay? And a big indicator for me is, okay, did you have pre-existing needs for these medications? Most of the time, these patients will say, no, I've, I've never needed any meds. I've been totally fine, but now I'm on all these meds, right? So if I have a patient that came to me that before the concussion never needed a single medication in their life, that's when I start cluing in that, okay, I bet most of these meds that they're on are not even necessary anymore. They're just trying to treat the symptom without treating the root cause. Mm-hmm. And we will talk more about that oh. root cause a little later when we talk about that, that neuronal um, issue with, with the uh, with the concussion. So I, I'm so, so glad you yeah. brought this up about the meds because I talk about this all the time. And unfortunately, it was a neuropsychologist that wanted to put me on all these meds. I was about 15 <laughs> months out, and she was in one visit after I had a neuropsych exam, and then I met with her for an hour, and she wanted to put me on Ritalin, antidepressants, and sleeping pills. And I oh, said, no, gosh. thank you. I'm, I'm, not, mm-hmm. I'm not at a point where I feel that that's what I want to try. And like you said, I, pre, pre-brain injury, I never needed any of that. I never had depression. I never had anxiety. I never had attention problems. And so, you know, what you just said, going, these are symptoms. This, this, mm-hmm. this, these drugs aren't attacking the root problem. They're just a Band-Aid. Um, so I'm so glad you just brought that up. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Dr. Fon. Oh, Amy, and it, it, it is such a, a problem with most of the patients that come to me because if we're being honest, and, and I, I actually have talked to a lot of my friends that are sports medicine doctors, general practitioners, family medicine docs, they'll admit to me, well, I don't know what else to do for them. So we just mm-hmm. try it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what I want to start changing, I want to start empowering your patients to say, well, wait a second, you know, is there somewhere I can go that, that will address the root problem? Because really, they're just addressing the symptoms, but not very well because, like I said, all these drugs have side effects that will make your symptoms worse. Now, the caveat to this is sometimes we have patients that are suicidal, okay, um, and they right. are at risk for self-harm or hurting someone else. In those cases, and I always address this, okay, I always screen for this, then we don't want to just take them off their meds. And the other thing is I don't want all of you know, all of these people that are listening and suffering and, and, and on these meds just go cold turkey. That is not what we do. We make sure that they titrate or they get off these medications safely and that the doctor that prescribed them knows that we are getting off these meds. 
Okay, so let, let's make sure that we're not, uh, you know, having people kind of jump ship here because there are safe ways to do these things. Right. Um, right. Yes, but you do need someone. Um, sorry, Amy. We do. You do need someone that understands why they got put on that med. Okay, what symptoms they were trying to treat, and how the underlying neuronal basis is really the problem. And if we treat that underlying pattern, just like a root system, okay, then the other symptoms, for the most part, go away. You know. You know, so, and and you know, like you said, there are people who truly need meds, and. I knew in my situation, I had enough self-awareness to know I did not want an antidepressant. I was like, no, I have a feeling it's just going to, like, mask the symptoms and not really, like, help the brain. I knew why I was depressed. I was depressed because of the brain injury, right? Right, exactly. It was a symptom of the brain injury. It wasn't because I was just simply, you know, clinically depressed all of a sudden. Um, And so I I hope that our listeners can take that away, that they're empowered, you know, to turn down medications. They do not have to take them. And I think often, especially after brain injury, some of your cognitive functioning is impaired, you just flatly trust what your doctors tell you. Um, And so I hope that some of our listeners, caregivers, can kind of take that away about the whole meds. Like, do they really, really need this med? Um, Because it could just simply be a Band-Aid and the side effects could actually impair your recovery. So thank you so much for bringing that up. I'll let you jump now into more of the neuronal basis. Let me just add one more thing, Amy. One kind of litmus test that uh, a survivor or a caregiver, caregiver of a survivor could use is to really look at if that patient is really benefiting from that medication. I have uh, so often I have parents that, that, sit, that sit here in front of me when we're doing our consult saying, yeah, they got on all these meds, but... I don't really notice a difference or things got worse. If that is mm, what happened mm-hmm. in your case or um, in, in the case of your listeners, that's when you really need to start thinking, okay, is this really helping? Um, because if it isn't, then we need to, uh, to try to adjust that and, and, and you know, look, look at that. So that's just a quick litmus test. Um, okay. So, a lot of the, your, your listeners might be wondering, okay, well, then what is this neuronal basis, right? Well, what is this root cause that we're talking about here? Um, it is a phenomenon that is being more recently studied, Amy, called neurovascular coupling, or NVC, okay? Um, let, let me kind of take a step back. So in order to function... Right, and I'm going to try to to make this um, very very simple. In order to function, <laughs> the brain must distribute and and regulate blood flow to different parts of the brain and different regions of the brain in order to to have that brain perform optimally. Okay, so the brain distributes. So it's a, it's a combination of blood flow, right? This vascular network right, because we have blood vessels all throughout our brain, and then also how the neuronal network is. So there's this communication between the neuron and the blood vessels, okay? We call this neurovascular coupling. So it's this optimal blood flow and neuronal connection 
which is called neurovascular coupling. Okay? Now, in an MTBI, or a mild traumatic brain injury, as a concussion is, okay, these types of injuries and trauma can actually alter the efficiency of neurovascular coupling and can really, you know, limit how the brain works. And how it does this is it changes how the neuron metabolizes um, uh, the blood, how the neuron can use that blood and um, uh, in order to operate efficiently, okay? Now, with these alterations and changes in blood flow, you have certain regions of the brain that are now more hyperactive and maybe needing a lot more blood to do what it needs to do, or hypoactive and not getting enough blood, you know, to do what it needs to do. Does that make Should I go into a little bit more explanation, or does that, does that make some sense as far as that dysfunction? I think it makes sense. Okay. Um, let me try to break it down a little bit more. So um, there is an astrocyte, okay, there's an astrocytic component. So there are these things called astrocytes in our brain, and really what the astrocyte does is helps the neuron communicate and get nutrients with, from the blood vessel, okay? When there is a concussion, not only is blood flow affected, but then that astrocyte cannot communicate as well with the neuron, and the neuron is also affected. So you have dysfunction and damage to several layers of, of this, uh, of this um, process, okay? This neurovascular uh, dysfunction can really impair blood, blood flow to the brain and how the neuron metabolizes um, energy, okay? And this imbalance, Amy, this is the root cause of what's going on with the brain and why the brain feels so sluggish and so slow mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or why, there are, why, there, why there's fatigue, why there is emotional dysregulation. I mean, this is the building block and, and the underlying um, main problem that we are seeing with concussion, which is why yeah. mm-hmm. functional NCI and functional MRI is really the best way to see concussion because what the functional MRI measures is blood flow. So if the functional MRI is measuring blood flow and the underlying root cause of this neurovascular coupling and, and, and dysregulation is not enough blood to certain areas and too much blood to other areas, it stands to reason that a test that can measure activation in the brain is the best way to diagnose this problem. Okay? So what real functional NCI can do functional neurocognitive imaging can do is identify exactly the structures that are actually metabolizing inappropriately or inefficiently and hyperactivating and looking at other areas that are not functioning well enough or not metabolizing enough blood and hypoactivating. And when that brain is out of balance, Amy, that, oh my gosh, that's where all your symptoms come from. Now, the silver lining in all this, okay, is that once we can see 
what parts of the brain are activating well or maybe activating too much or not activating near enough, then we can target our treatments. And we can actually use this functional NCI as a guide for treatment, which is what we do. Now, here's something that I would challenge a lot of my patients with. Now, there was a recent study that came out, Amy, that stated that it was a military study, and it was a meta-analysis that came out this year, that said that actually about 80 to 85% of the patients that they tracked, these are military, so these are um, soldiers, okay, five years post-concussion, about 80 to 85% of them were still experiencing symptoms, okay? That is directly, yes, yes, that is directly in the face of some prior research about seven years ago that stated that post-concussion syndrome patients were in the minority, right? You heard this. Most concussions get better. I mean, I'm, I'm air quoting. Most concussions get better in six weeks. The rest of you guys are the miserable minority, right? And I'm so sorry that you're in the miserable right? minority. Right. That's actually not true. This is huge research um, by, by, the, by, by the Department of Defense that stated, no, 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 no. About 85% of you are actually still suffering from these symptoms eight, uh, five years out. So that really flips that research on its head. My challenge, Amy, is a wow. lot of these patients that think that they're doing okay, you know, is it, are, you, are they really doing okay or is the brain just getting better at compensating? And yes. that's where this, the functional NCI really can shine because what we found in our research, Amy, is that it doesn't matter whether or not you had that concussion two weeks ago or whether you had it two decades ago. The brain will hold on to concussion patterns. How's that? <laughs> Wow. We can still see it. Mind we can still blowing. see it. <laughs> yeah. We can still see it. So, In fact, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to just ask how we're, we're down to our last few minutes, too, by the way. Um, oh, my God. How <laughs> can someone get – I know, time flies when it's a great topic. Um, how <laughs> can someone request a functional MRI? Who would they need to see? Well, as of right now, this clinic in Provo um, is the best place to get it. We are actually going to be opening up a clinic in Atlanta in 2018, and it's kind of hush-hush, so I can't give too much detail about it. But right now we have our location here in Utah, which honestly, um, you know, it's pretty easy to get here. We're very close to the airport, um, but we can do a quick just phone consult just to see if I think you'd be appropriate for what we do. Um, after that point, you know, we have most of our patients, about, I'd say about 65% of our patients in an average week now come from out of town uh, because we are really the, the only place that does this type of imaging. Now, there are other places that you can get fMRI, but the problem is, um, they don't have the normative database. It's not comprehensive, and they won't do treatment. So we are a full-service treatment right. facility where we have our imaging in-house, you know, and we do all of our treatment in-house. But the easiest way is just to go onto our website, which is www.cognitive, 
FX, so capital F, capital X, USA.com. So C-O-G-N-I-T-I-V-E-F-X-U-S-A.com. And there are some links there for some uh, for a, a no-charge consultation, a complimentary consultation, and uh, we can definitely get that set up. Um, that would probably be the easiest way until we get opened up in Atlanta uh, next year. Wonderful. And just so our listeners know, I do have that link in the show notes. Um, I do have the link to Cognitive FX for Dr. Fong. So that's in the show notes. And unfortunately, we're down to our last minute. So I, <laughs> I, I, this time just flew by. But I think you blew some people's minds today, and that's great. <laughs> So well, what Amy, have you on again would, in the future, Dr. Fong? <laughs> I would love to do that because this is just the tip of the iceberg with regards to the research yes. outcome data. So I'd love to. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your candor, and this was just a great episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Fong, for taking the time to talk to my listeners. My pleasure, my pleasure, anytime. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you found this just as fascinating as I did. Uh, so thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. A big thanks again to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain rehabilitation in the Midwest, mnfunctionalneurology.com. Again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer and on Facebook, Faces of TBI. Thanks again for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.